Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out. Anyway, let's dive into this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Vin and Ali show. Can you believe that it's this is our second episode for the year? We've probably got about 14 really angry fans at this point. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be so upset. They'll be so upset. Yeah. They're going to be upset that we've uh, decided to continue the show. They'll start to go, I'm, why are you guys still doing this? this I've is, completely uh, forgotten how to even speak and talk. It's, the, the first 20 minutes is just going to be silent. You'll <laughs> ask a question. It's a really long pause. I've, I've forgotten how we start our shows. What I will do is just say that, the book we're going to review in this particular episode is Tuesdays with Maury. And if you go to school in Australia, maybe even the US, uh, in, in some of the Western cultures, this was a book that was actually used as a part of our school curriculum. And oh. I, I remember reading it when I was young, you know, about 15 years old, didn't have a brain at that point. So none of it, you know, kind of got through to me. I did read it again in my 20s. And again, I still even think at that point, none of it really got through to me. This time reading it for the third time in my life, wow. There were yeah, a lot of- It took 20 years. 20, yeah. yeah, it took 20 years for this one to sink in. <laughs> oh, I mean, what, one of our traditions in our podcast that we did very early on was try to describe a book in the form of some kind of food. What, you one know, of your traditions, okay? Yeah, one, one of, of your traditions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, again, it just gets my creativity going, and yeah. and I, I I was really trying to think of something this morning as I was I was driving my boy to school, and I I, I struggled, brother. I struggled to think of it because I was trying to think of what dish makes you sad, <laughs> what dish makes you eat, and then you feel really sad, but at the same time, there's beauty. Yeah, I'm struggling. I don't know. I, I wanted to just struggle here with you to see if you could come up with something with me. What do you eat oh. that makes you feel sad? But at the same time, makes you feel good inside. Oh, a, a cheeseburger, but I don't know if it makes me feel sad. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, a cheeseburger does make you feel a little bit sad afterwards. So this, this, this book felt a little bit like a triple cheeseburger. <laughs> it's probably the greatest insult this book has ever received. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mitch. I'm so sorry. Not that you ever oh, no. see this anyway. No, but look, it's... It's great to be diving into a book that mm -hmm. I feel is about life and death. Uh, I feel that, man, it was, yeah, we've, we've been through quite a bit in the last few months since the last episode doing, doing extreme ownership, hey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, th there's been a bit happening. And I think this one was one that we picked just because of its relevancy and, you know, probably in both of our lives, but... I'm happy to share something that's happened recently in mine. So after a year-long battle with cancer, my mum passed away, what now, about three weeks ago. Yeah. And, yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll obviously dig into that a little bit deeper, but just for context off this episode, I think it was really relevant, especially in terms of how I think mum's sort of final part of her journey played out. 
and also some of the similarities that are probably in this book. So I know you know a lot about that, so I'm probably going to lean on you to craft out some of the stories because you played a pretty big role throughout that process. Um, but, yeah, that was it. And then I also, on your side, you've had a few things yeah. happening too. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, before I, I share a few things on, on my end as well, it, it's funny because, you know, you reached out to me and said, hey, will, will you be the master of ceremonies for my mum's funeral? Uh, my first response was, nah, look, I, I, I've never done this before, Ali. I, I, I don't think I should be the one doing it. Look, I'm really honored. And classic Ali style doesn't take no as an answer. Classic negotiator. My no within 24 hours turned into me being the MC for your mom's funeral. It was, of course, it did. Classic Ali. No, but hey, it was it was an absolute honor to be a part of that experience, Ali. And yeah, something I remember for the rest of my life, brother. That you know, and, and as we dive in, as as we dive into this book as well, it, it's funny we both went through something pretty tough. You, you know, you obviously you lost your mum. Mm. Uh, Paywen and I, you know, we've we've been trying to have another kid for the last three years, and you know, we've we've had. We've had four miscarriages in the last three years, and it's been it's been tough as shit. You know, mm. it's just been really hard, and I'm just so grateful I have someone like you to be able to lean on during these times, uh, Ali. You know, it's yeah, man. it's funny you, you realize how you. important you realize how important these friendships are when you yeah when you just oh, man when you're pushing shit uphill. You know, mm. yep. So also, I think for the yeah. audience, probably a reason yeah. why we have had a little bit of a break between episodes during, yeah. during that time. Yeah. And we started with cheeseburgers and we ended here. So let's see if we Whoa. can. Far out. <laughs> a bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it? Like far out. And, so, well, look, I, and I think that, that's what inspired us to pick this particular book. Mm. You know, it's, it's a book that talks about life and death. Yep. Uh, it's a book that talks about, you know, none of us can escape this. We are all dying. We're all headed towards the same destination. And I, I just think that it just couldn't, there just couldn't be a perfect, more perfect time for, for us to be mm-hmm. reviewing and, and relearning some of these lessons from, from such a beautiful book during this phase of our lives. For sure. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, even as we've both gone through our different experiences over the last little period of time, and, you know, I've been highly inspired by the way you've approached you know, your situation. And I think one of the things that we both always sort of pride ourselves on is, all right, we'll try to step into this and see what we can learn and then also share it with others. So mm. hopefully with this episode, we're able to dig into this and share some of these experiences. But also if somebody that's out there listening that's experienced, you know, loss or yeah. a significant change in their life. There might be um, hopefully a few little bits and pieces that you can take away from yeah this. So we'll do our best and we'll craft into the stories. And I think this episode is probably going to be one that's going to be relatively loose and yeah. at times might not make all that much sense. It's not like doing a business book or <laughs> one of the others. Well, We're going into I, the realm of the unknown here. I don't know, Ali, because I don't know if we, we can say that because I think – death is going to touch everyone. That's true. You know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in business or if you're not in business or mm. which part of the world you're from, we're all going to experience death ourselves yeah. and we're going to experience the death of our loved ones and we're going to experience the death of 
sometimes life even before it's formed. You know, it's, it's yeah, and, and it may not even be a death of a person or someone that's alive. It could be a death of a career. You know, I think the beginning and the end, I, I really believe this is going to be relevant to everyone. You know, I think there'll, there'll be definitely be something for everyone here. And yeah, I think, I think, I think we do have some valuable things to share in this episode, brother. All right. Let's jump into mm. it, my man. Well, we're going to, we're going to add more context about what we're going through. I, I guess as we move through some of the points that we've, mm-hmm. we've taken away from the book, I, I was really moved by this first part where I mean, in particular, when Mitch said, don't you know what's happening to me right now? My professor is dying and the world did not stop. It took no notice at all. And I was really moved by that little passage because it reminded me of a passage from, I don't know, have you seen the movie uh, Dead Poet Society, Ali? Yeah, not for a little while, but I have. Okay. There's this brilliant scene where Robin Williams kind of brings everyone together and he says, huddle up, huddle up, everyone huddle up. And then everyone comes around him. And the line, he really long line, but there's this one passage where he says, and the powerful play goes on and you get to contribute a verse. And it reminded me of that because this whole life that we all get to live, it's a big play. You know, it's like a big stage play and it goes on beyond us. And we all get to contribute a verse. What verse will you contribute? And then once you've contributed the verse, the play goes on. You know, it's, it's, it kind of makes, it, it, it was, it just makes me think, wow, I want to make sure that I contribute a verse that's going to make a difference. You know, I don't, I don't want to waste this opportunity to be able to contribute a verse. I don't want to, take it for granted, you know, and, and, and it really made me reflect on the way I'm living and mm. what verse I want to contribute. Yeah. I like that. Cause uh, one of the other things, just as you were saying that is the, the word that came to mind is just like the continuation too. Is yeah, like, yeah, things don't stop. And even when we experience some of the things that we've experienced recently, like yeah. that, that's also the other reality of it is that there is such a continuation and how it's magnified when it's in your own world, right? Like that was mm. the other piece that I was looking at this. Like I just said, when, you, when you're in that heightened state and you're experiencing, you know, the loss of something that's very close to you or a significant change, it's amazing how much more magnified that is in your own world, right? And it makes sense, obviously, because – yeah, it's in relation to what you're perceiving to lose or change or to experience it's going to be difficult. But then it's so funny, like you go to the dry cleaners or you go grab a coffee and it's like you just see that perspective shift. It's like, all right, well, this is like objective and it's happening to me right now. But yeah, that, and going back to your verse analogy, it's like, yeah, well, this is my verse and the story that I'm experiencing. But this person here who's at the dry cleaners or making the coffee line, their world's perfectly unchanged. And it's interesting, but then you have these beautiful little random interactions as well with, you know, people when you get to share these experiences and share these stories and like, oh, I remember that suit, that suit person. Yeah. Like, like I remember going out and 
You know, and, and I guess, again, linking this back to the contribution of the verses. Like, I remember uh, sort of the day before the memorial, I'm like, all right, I'll go get a new suit. Went out to a local shopping centre and I was getting a suit fitted and put on and, you know, awesome retail assistant. She was, you know, helping me out because I did it pretty last minute just because things were happening so quickly. Experience and like, it was great to experience them uh, during that time, but... Mm. Well, you know, it's, it's that contrast you just spoke about. There are people in our lives where, like the people in the cafe, their lives are not altered by yeah. a dramatic thing that's happened in your life. But mm. when you shared what you were going through with another person, again, another stranger, same thing as the people at the cafe, but this is a stranger who's making you your suit. The moment you shared a little part of your story, it did impact their world in that moment. I mean, I was, I was shocked when you told me she cried. Mm. You know, she cried and felt really emotional and it's... It, it just goes to show the connectedness mm. only when we open ourselves up for connection. Because you, you, you could, again, th- there are many situations where if you don't open yourself up, I mean, it's one of the lessons that, that I took from this book and, and it says that we need to give love, but we also need to open ourselves up for love. Mm. And I think that, that, that word love can be interchangeable with the word connection is that we need to connect with others, but we need to also open ourselves up for connection. How often do we go through life and not be open for connection, not be open for love? And as a result, we could have had so many of these little beautiful experiences like you did with that, that person who made you your suit that comforts you in some way. It doesn't make it? the suit. I bought it off the rack. Come on, it wasn't like yeah, okay, that. Okay. <laughs> we're not giving them a Google review here. No, no, no. We're, 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 living in, we're living in two different worlds here. Vin's like imagining that it was like the suit was tailored and like it was getting built. <laughs> Healing. You know, and there's a beauty that comes from that. And I think it's, it just reminds, like what I'm taking from what you're saying as well is, it's nice to be open and, and be open for connection, even in those moments with a random stranger. Sometimes connection from a random stranger is some of the most beautiful connections you ever have. Mm. You know, I, 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 I mean, this is not really a comparable example, but I was driving my car the other day and someone needed help on the road. You know, their car ran out of petrol. So I jumped out, helped them push it to the side. And the moment I did that, three or four other people jumped out and there was this beautiful moment of humanity. Mm. And I think... That only happens when we open ourselves up to it, when we give it and we open ourselves up to it. Otherwise, it's very easy to live a very kind of closed off life where you don't share anything of what you're going through. No one gets to be a part of your experience. No one gets to hear your verse. No one gets to be a part of your play. It's it's the power of connection. I think there's a beautiful power, especially with connecting with those that don't have an obligation to need to connect Mm. as well. That's very true. Like when, when we look at that, like what the experience that you just shared there, it just shows the interconnectedness of it all. Like mm. That random interaction there, it wasn't that you knew that person or you had an established relationship. No. It was just people helping out. And I think you see that especially even when, you know, people are dealing with illness. And I always go back to in hospitals when you have nurses and doctors and how, how much of themselves they give, you know, mm. ultimately to strangers that they're going to be looking after for a, often a very short period of time. But in that moment of need, it's a very interesting interaction that takes place um, with a lot of, like, I think, beauty and compassion and care. But, yeah, it's quite- what, was, what was that experience like for you, kind of going in a hospital and, and visiting your mum? Did you, 
What was that like? I mean, you know, you're reading this book. You know, obviously there was a big point of this book where Maury was kind of bedridden and in his bed mm. the entire time. And he would be visiting Maury on every Tuesday. Yeah. That's why it's Tuesdays with Maury. You know, were there some synergies with the book and the experience that you had with mum kind of during this experience? Yeah, for sure. Like, so we obviously didn't get Tuesdays, but it all happened pretty quickly. But we got nine, I uh, think it was about nine visits in a row. Um, wow. And because of some of the restrictions and stuff like that, it was generally one to two hours that you were allowed for a visit, but it kind of really resonated with this book where sometimes just organically little themes would come out of those visits and very, very similar in the fact that, you know, because mum, mum was pretty like, you know, obviously in the last part of the journey at that point. So very similar things like, you know, not being able to eat, coughing, um, you know, vomiting, but it was, like there was, there was a beauty nearly in the vulnerability, I guess. Mm. Um, and sort of, I think a lot of inspiration in just how peaceful she was as she was experiencing all of those things. Like there was never much fear or anything like that. Like it was just, yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why do you, bag. why do you think, why do you think there was no fear? Because how, how did she get into that kind of state? Because I, I think for me, it'd be, it'd be such a scary thing, right? It's yeah. I mean, even reading about was, Maury, yeah, it's shocking how there was there was not much fear. She felt very similar to what Maury's like, just as a person. You know, she was Ooh. quite content, very present person, always looking for the simple joys in life, and you know, a very generous type of person as well. So, I think the fact that she wasn't like wanting, or like if you think about even when Maury speaks about it and they, they speak about it in the book, like a lot of the fear and stuff comes from regret from having a lot of unresolved aspects that weren't right. finished off. Whereas I think just given the way that she lived her life kind of, you know, really to the fullest and hmm. sort of with a lot of love and joy, I think that meant that when she came to that point in time, there was a fair bit of peace, you know, and acceptance of the entire situation. Um, yeah. And I'm sure she probably felt it every now and again, but yeah, like I never saw it in those moments. And I'm like, this is like, I'm like, if there is a way to do this, this mm. seems like it's the model, <laughs> you know, I don't know how, like even I was thinking, I'm like, geez, would I be able to execute and <laughs> be able to <laughs> handle it like that? Who knows? But yeah. that, that was kind of like, it felt like the gold standard of even, you know, with the nurses and the doctors, like there'd always be a joke, a laugh, you know, even still in those end moments, it's like, you know, interested in their stories, wanting That's, to, you know, blah, 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 recommended this restaurant. Like these are the types of things. It wasn't around like, how am I going to get out of here? What What's the next step? When's the next procedure? going It wasn't any of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, like, so we were fortunate to be able to have a lot of these really pure and deep moments, I think, you know, and very similar. Like a lot of it was just smiles and you're holding hands, having a chat, talking about everything from, the deepest things you can think about all the way to like how cool is it that the bed goes up and down and what a cool <laughs> innovation that is. So it's, it's like this, this really interesting thing because you sit there and like in my head, I'm like, you kind of have that gut feel like, all right, well, there's a countdown timer here. Yeah, so like, should we fun. make the most of this? But funnily enough, you, you don't, it's just the moments are sort of, they end up being magnified, but they don't need to be that, profound and important if that makes sense it's 
Well, the, listening the to you say this, the synergies between the book and, and how your mum spent her last couple of weeks is it's uncanny, dude. Yeah. I mean, I- even in the book, right? I mean, I remember one part when Mitch, the student that went to see Maury every Tuesday, mm. he asked Maury the question, if you had one full 24 hours to be able to live and be healthy, what would you do? Mm. And Maury just said, oh, get up in the morning, go for a swim, uh, have a nice meal with friends and talk over lunch. Eat some duck. And then, yeah. Eat, yeah, eat some duck because Maury loves duck. And then after that, I'd have a really nice sleep. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't think it's about, it's funny because you said the countdown timer, you're sitting there and going, shit, there's a countdown timer. Yeah. And then you feel like you didn't make the most of that time, but you did because yeah. it, 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 it's not about the extravagant things, you know, you know, when your mom came down to Melbourne to visit you, you know, one of the big things you did was that the hot air balloon, you know, it's, it's, yeah. like we think that it's important to do those big things and like yeah. life bucket items but there's so much beauty in the simplicity of life sitting holding hands and smiling with each other you know it's yeah that is almost how we should spend it you know it's not yeah there's there's so much beauty and simplicity and and maybe it's even just like it's a little bit of both like i do love the concept though of like bucket lists near the end Uh, i don't know you know, like that was one of the things that we always spoke about too. It's like, is there anything left? And mum's pretty simple with her bucket list items. And it was really, you know, the hot air balloon and just sort of keeping it pretty simple. But I, I love that contrast too. Like it was, yeah. it was just the simplicity of nearly, you know, just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the extravagance of going on a hot air balloon, like a day before being admitted to hospital, you know, like I love that, that that was the end contrast. part. It just adds to the cool coolness of the story but i think that also adds to the fact that well she didn't feel fear because she didn't yeah. feel like i didn't live my life yeah you know i think i think a lot of the times people f- do feel that fear because they think to themselves well i haven't lived yet i, I don't want to go I-, I haven't had a chance to do all the things i've done you know and and, it- and it's incredible you know as i learned more about your mom even being at the funeral mm-hmm. talking to your friends and your family <laughs> she's lived such an incredible life i mean mm-hmm. The number of countries that she's lived in is just outrageous. Mm. No, that's cool. It's um, so looping back around to the verse that you spoke about before. What's that mean to you? Like, well, when you now look, like, how does that change things moving forward? And what sort of verse do you want to write? One that is more intentional. You know, it's it's funny reading this book made me think of my parents a lot. Mm. You know, it made me think of some of the teachers in my life that has have had impact on me. And I thought about the verse that they're writing. You know, I thought about the verse my mum and dad are writing. I thought about the verse that some of my teachers are writing, my mentors are writing. And it just made me think about my own verse. And I don't think I I can have... I don't have the clarity of knowing exactly what my verse is. I just know that I want it to be an intentional one. Mm. You know, not, not, I don't want to move through life without being conscious of the way I want to move through it. I don't want the water to just carry me wherever it wants to take me. I, I, I do want a rudder on this. I do want to control it a little bit and, and just to be more intentional, yep. you know, and, and, and in its most simple form, Ali, I just, 
I want to be a force that lifts other people like your mum. You know, I really want to be able to lift other people up in life. And, and I think one of the most beautiful things you said in your speech was that even when you don't believe in yourself, your mum believed in you. Even when your friends, your boys didn't believe in themselves, your mum believed in them. Mm. And that belief she had in them, even when they didn't have it themselves, meant everything. It allowed you to become the person that you are. And it's crazy because I always thought that you had to believe in yourself. But there's this incredible power where it's not even to do with your self-belief. But when someone is just mm. so fixated on, no, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it. That gives you something that is very different to even self-belief. Mm. You know, there, there's, there's such power in that. And, and I was so inspired by that. I want to do that for people. You know, and the verses I've been playing in the last two weeks, every time I talk to a friend of mine that's struggling, anyone in my circle, I'm like, hey, you got this. Mm. You know, and it's just taking that on board, you know, after the experience we've had together three weeks ago. Just I want to be that amplifier of people. I want to I want to do what your mom did for you and your mom did for so many people in her life. I want to I want I want people to say that about me you know, when I'm no longer here. I think you know, you're um, well and truly on the way, bro. So you don't have to make too many adjustments on that. Yeah, but side. I'm more conscious of it now. I'm more conscious of it now. Whereas before, when people are telling me about difficult times, I just go, ah, oh, look, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> Whereas now I've got that extra line where I'm saying, hey, you can get through this. Look how far you've come. And, you know, just kind of giving that extra belief in, in people. It's, yeah. it's made a big difference already. It's huge. I think, it, you know, especially even when you look at it. The kids when they're younger, mm. I think that that level of sort of confidence and just inner belief. And you're right, we we always think about the, the term self belief is always used, but yeah. that can be hard sometimes to just make you you need a little bit of external validation. So when it comes from people that you respect or you have a few champions in your life, they they can play quite a significant role in yeah. terms of pushing you forward, like. We get fixated so much just on the logistical aspects of, oh, yeah, you need to do this and what's the plan and all of that. But sometimes it's as simple as just confidence and a little bit of belief that things will play out in your favor. I feel like a lot of the times the self-belief that we have in ourselves, a necessary ingredient for that is that external validation you spoke about. Because I, I don't know if you could truly say that you you have all this self-belief just by yourself. I think it's quite rare for someone to, to have all of that self-belief on their own without any external validation, without anyone else in their life backing them. You, you would have to be such a rare kind of human to be able to do that. Because I think even my self-belief that I have, it comes from people like you believing in me, people like my parents, my, my, my wife, and, and key people in my life believing me. I, I don't think I could have self-belief without that that belief from others. Yeah. No, it needs, it needs some for, I believe it needs some form of champion because it just yeah. helps you because there's exactly. no way, well, I don't know anyone that can just keep it there. Even when you look at any high performer, there's always a coach or a teacher or a support network or a friend or a spouse or somebody, you know, a parent that pointed that person in that direction and filled them with the, the confidence and the belief that it was possible. Uh, yeah, I, I've not yet heard a story where someone's like, you know what? No one believed in me, and against the odds, it was all me. 
it was <laughs> all me. <laughs> I was able to pull it off. So. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, might just be a natural law of yeah, confidence or progress, whatever you want to call it. You know what? That's that's a big part of the verse that I want to mm-hmm. I want to be able to to contribute. How about yourself? What verse would you contribute? As uh, I mean, look. Ultimately, we get to contribute a fairly long verse, right? Mm-hmm. When we say the word verse, it seems quite finite uh, and short. Whereas I think this life is long. As as much as we yeah. think it's short, life is also long. That weird paradox. What what verses or what's part of the verse you'd like to contribute? Yeah, it's, it's probably pretty similar. I think. One of the things that this helped me gain perspective on a little bit more was just around, yeah, like what's the actual true contribution that you want to make throughout this journey? You know, is it like for me, I've never really been too big on acquiring things or, you know, material things, you know, that much. Like if it's part of the game, it happens. But more and more what I probably got out of, especially mum's experience, is just around – having the impact on how you make people feel what you can do for others with what you've got to offer is probably a big one that aligns with the book too. You know, it's around looking at, yeah, just probably overall a higher level of call it generosity impact. Like even after this, one of the things is just the number of people to impact has probably changed you know, mm-hmm. and broadening that out and investing a little bit more into that. So that if there is something to offer, that it reaches um, more people, whether it's this podcast or you know we're looking at writing a book or whether it's mm. future golf, um, whether it's just sharing ideas and trying to be there for people that I care about a bit more as well. I think these are these are some of the areas, and it was one of the things I think I shared with you too. When you know one of the final things that Mum kind of shared there was that you know be kind, be simple. And let let the universe sort of um, figure things out for you. I I love that, I man. And when you said the word generosity, it reminded me of of a story that happened while I was there. You know, it, so so while this whole experience happened, you know, we we we'd done the funeral and and we were kind of in that function room where we were just kind of celebrating and everyone was just having a few drinks and everything and. And I think one of your mum's friends came up to me and he thought that I, you know, I was the organizer, you know, I, I was the director of the funeral home or something. <laughs> and he comes up to me and he goes, oh, I, uh, I want to tell you something about Shami. You know, she, she used to, we would go out for lunch and she would wait till I go to the toilet and then she would immediately go pay for the meal. And then when I come back and I go to get the bill, uh, Shami would give me the finger. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I love that I'm learning all these stories about your mom. You know, it, it's funny because it was such a weird moment for me because everyone felt like they were about to end their, t- like their relationship with your mom. I felt like I was just starting my relationship yeah. with her and learning all these things about her. And then he says to me, he goes, he goes look, I, I want to pay for some of the, the food today and the meal and the drinks. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure, sure. That, that would be amazing. And then he gives me this little envelope filled with cash. And he goes, just before he gives it to me, he goes, oh, yeah turns to Shami's photo and he gives her the finger. And I was like, oh my God. That was so beautiful. Like it was one of the most heartwarming and funny moments ever. Like I was moved to tears when when he did that. And he goes, you know, he goes, I got the last one, Shami. You know, and it's just, it just showed me 
you know, your mum created these beautiful experiences for people out of mm. generosity. And even to the story that one of her friends shared how, you know, her friend was saving up all this time to get some dental work done. And the moment she walked out of the dental practice, your mum had already paid for the dental work. <laughs> You know, and, and it wasn't like your mum was this rich billionaire or millionaire. Yeah. She she didn't have a lot, but she she shared what she had, man. And, yeah. and like that is just so beautiful. You know, I, I think generosity is is one of my biggest values. And, and to see somebody else live it the way she lived it just made me go, yeah, that's how you do it. You know, that's you, um... that's how you do generosity. I also think it was a big reason why she was pretty peaceful, you know, at the end too. She she didn't have many attachments to, like, things. Mm. And whatever she kind of had, she did give (laughs) to others. So I think that also relates to to peacefulness, you know, and to not – to have that sort of level of calm and fluidity at the end because I think she already knew that, you know, like she wasn't worrying about an estate or – Mm. <laughs> or like um, the admin and stuff. Like even on the odd occasions that we had to speak about those things, like got nothing out of her, you know, because it was, uh, she just didn't want to talk about it. She's like, it doesn't matter. It's not important. It's none of these yeah. things. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you're right. Like it really doesn't. It's just digits and it's these things. And that's what she was like. Like if there was a way to sort of make someone else's life a little bit easier or happier or to mm. bring some joy, you just do it. Wouldn't really care what what the cost was, what the price was, what had to be traded for it. That was always very deeply rooted into who she was as a person. You see, I think what you just said there made me realize that generosity is how we become detached from material things. When you're willing to give things away, it means you're not attached to things. Whereas I can imagine if you were trying to hoard things, I want to keep every dollar that I make, every asset that I buy, everything that I, I just want. I want to hold all of it. Of course, when you die, it's going to be harder because your life purpose or part of your life purpose has been all about accumulation. Whereas if a big part of your life is about giving, it it means that when you go, you've already practiced the detachment to things. You know, you don't think to yourself, oh, but I love that house. I just bought that house. I love it. There was none of that with your mom. And it just made me realize that generosity is actually a practice of detachment, mm. which, is, which is a big part of this book. I mean, so much of this book, Maury talks about detaching because, I mean, ALS, it's an awful, awful disease. And I, the way they described it in the book is that ALS is like a lit candle. It melts your nerves and leaves your body in a pile of wax, right? And, and it really is that. Learning about Maury's story, you, you hear that he loses one function at a time, you know, and the fact that, I mean, even in this very book, he talks about, I needed to detach myself from the experience that I was experiencing. And it made me think, how do you detach? I mean, how do you practice being detached? And you answered the question for me is that a huge part of detachment, especially for material things in this material world, it's actually the act of generosity. Yeah. I think it's generosity. I think it's acceptance as well. Mm. Like I think that was a, a pretty big part of it. And funnily enough, you know that story that you mentioned about Les paying the bill, like even yeah. that relationship, like that's that's a friendship that started. So Les is actually, he was our old next door neighbor. So they developed this friendship just because 
that's the type of person like mum was that she would, when she was here, she'd go outside or whatever and then see this guy just randomly on the side. They started talking and then just became friends, you know? So she had so many of these little relationships that started from these random interactions. Like it wasn't a 20 year friend that they worked together or anything like that. There was so many of these, even looking through a phone where, you know, there's all these people, it's like, blah, 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 taxi, blah, 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 gardener. But all these people were like genuine friends of hers. Like she would always wow. call up and be like, Oh yeah, we've got these people coming over for dinner. I'm like, oh yeah, where'd you meet them? Oh, they they came and fixed the plumbing, and then we started talking. And their kids <laughs> now the do best this. Now that they were going out on this boat trip, and like, and they'd end up like, end up she'd end up forming these friendships with people that would just end up going from what for most people would be a normal acquaintance into a meaningful friendship. Well, this is what I mean again. though: is that your mum was always open for connection. Yeah. Whereas I think many people close themselves off to connection in life. Where it, it's, it's, it's like this, right? It's like your mum was a universal travel adapter. It yeah. didn't matter where you're from. It didn't matter who you were, what your background was, what job you had, what occupation, nothing. doesn't matter. Your mum had a way of being able to connect with people. You know, and I think that that is such a rare thing. That is such mm. a rare thing. Because most people, oh, I'm an Australian adapter. I can only plug into Australian plugs. I only connect with this one type of person. Whereas the cool thing about your mum, dude, is that she was able to connect with bloody anyone. Yeah. That's so cool. That was pretty cool. It was cool. Yeah. Oh, well, my dude, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing, you know, your kind of concept of a verse and and how you want to continue and the verses you want to, you want to add. Yeah. So why don't you, you tell me what's one of the things you took from this, this book? What's another thing that maybe there were some parallels. Well, also before that, like I know, you know, we've spoken a lot about mum. Like I know you've been going through some stuff too. So I would love to touch on that. And if there's anything that sticks out in the book that relates <sighs> to, I know you're, it's a little bit different because it's, yeah, you're, you're sort of, it's like at the start of the journey, but then it's also got so many components that relate to this. So I'd love to know, yeah, what's running through your mind. When I think about the journey Paywin and I have been through and, you know, all the, the miscarriages and the heartbreak and what comes to my mind immediately is just in how strong Paywin has to be through all of that. And it's, it's like I'm on the sidelines and, you know, I'm watching her fight this battle and, and as much as I want to jump in and help her fight and, and tag me in, I, I, I feel so useless. I think, I think that was the hardest part of my journey was feeling useless, you know, and, and it was just so hard. And, and I, I don't wish this on anyone. And it's just as I reflect on the journey and, and you know, we're still trying with IVF. We, we still want to try and we, we know we want a bigger family. And it's just the admiration I have for the women who have to go through things like this. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's awful. And it's just one of those things where I, I just wish there was more that I could do. So this is the helplessness of it all. Um, that was a that was a big part of the. Yeah, that was a big part of it for me. Yep. I, I don't think there's a solution there, or there's a there's anything brilliant that I got out of that. It was just 
just really appreciating Pei Wen and mm. commending her for her courage, her strength. Because to to go through that four times, bro, and and be willing to go, hey, let's try again. Mm. You know, it's yeah, the courage in that is is crazy. I I don't, I don't think I I have that kind of courage. <laughs> well, you do. Like you guys are doing this yeah. as a team and. Yeah. going through it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's, it's again, when we look at these types of situations, like there's actions and stuff we can take, but so much of it is outside of our control, right? Like whether it's, especially when it's got to do with, I think life and death Yeah, at, at nearly the most extreme levels, like we can you know hope what? for things and we can wish for things and we, you know what the most uh, messed up, you know what the most messed up thing was? The most messed up thing was when you're early into the journey and you, you do the pregnancy test, the, you know, six to eight weeks in, you go, oh, yeah, we're pregnant. It's positive. So then you, you, you want to celebrate, right? So then the first time, of course, you know, we didn't know it was going to end up in a miscarriage. So we celebrated. Things were great. You know, you buy into it. You, you think of names and then the miscarriage happens and then you're heartbroken. Mm. And the second time it happens and you go, okay, should we celebrate? And then of my, my mindset is like, well, I want to live. I want to celebrate. I don't want to have to give up to fear. And, and then so I, I celebrated. Paywin was more kind of, you know, reserved about it. And then it happened again. And then like, again, I, I fell from a higher place, you know. And, mm. and then the third time, I was still wanting to celebrate it. And I found myself in this really funny place where it's like, I know the right thing to do is to be conservative and to hold back and to not celebrate it the way, you know, and, and, and again, it happened again and I fell from a higher place again. <laughs> and I don't know that there's something about that, that just, I didn't want to not celebrate it. Yeah. But then again, it's, it's, I know how taxing it is for other people. And I know how, if you do celebrate it, then it hurts more. Yeah, I don't know. But, but the, the, it's like the other side too, right? And it's aligned with who people are as individuals potentially. Like it, maybe that's how you need to experience it is by mm. celebrating it and then processing it on the other side. Like that's fine and maybe others will approach it slightly different. So yeah, but the, the, because the reality is, is in that moment, that's, that is the moment. Like it, it's it's happening at that time. So I don't know. Yeah. I think I think the big thing with these things, and just as you were talking about that, it's it's hard to avoid processing the things that we hoped happened that don't end up happening. <laughs> and then you know, like I think again, going back to the book, one of the things it says there, it's like you know, forgive yourself and forgive others. So like, mm. it's fine if you celebrate. And doesn't play out. It's fine if you miss a moment that you yeah. feel deep down you should have been there for. Like all these things, it's just part of it. It's just like I remember even going back to mum's situation. Like I kind of avoid, like didn't avoid it, but I'm on. There's no point getting into mindsets here about should should we be doing more with the hospital? Is this the best mm -hmm. care? Is this nurse doing the right thing? Is this you know like there's so many things that can run through your head. They can yeah. take you into a different place. And that's just the reality when we're dealing with high levels of uncertainty. 
You know mm. what I mean? Like our brains will go there. It's like, should I have done this? Should we have done more of this? Like, oh, um, why did we live so far? Like, so you can ask all these what if questions. Yeah. But it doesn't really change the reality of whatever it is that's happening. You know, like yeah, but yeah. what you said before, that is the truth. And it, it's like the reality is it's about courage and mm. the admiration of you both going through this experience and continuing on and giving it four tries and yeah. if you decide to give it more tries. Like that's the actual, like that's the beauty in it, you know. So maybe on that is like, be kind to yourself and know that, yeah, yeah. Forgiveness is such a big something. part of it, Ali. Forgiveness yeah, is such yeah. a big part of it because it's easy at times to blame yourself. Uh, it's easy at times for Pei Wen to blame herself. Maybe it's something I did. You know, maybe it was something I ate. Maybe yeah. it was something I drank. Maybe it was something I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone on that, that trip in the car for a little too long. Or it's just, and then it's a self-blame, self-blame. And then I start same, doing the same thing. And forgiveness ultimately is what, it's just to be kinder to yourself and forgive yourself. It's, it's not your fault. You know, there, there are things, like you said, in your control and there are things that are outside of your control. And, man, I love that, 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 that quote from Coach John Wooden. He says, yeah, if you focus on the things you can't control, you'll soon lose control of the things you can control. Mm. And, dude, many times we're focusing on the things we couldn't control and it was very clear that we started losing control of everything. You know, the emotions took over and, and you just felt so, you know, you just feel so defeated. And, it, and it's only when you start to go, no, okay, look, some of these things are completely out of our control. Some of these, these things would have happened regardless of what we did, right? And it's just about that kindness to yourself, that forgiving yourself and, yeah. Yep. And I think just as, you know, we touch on this point, like I've obviously seen you go through this and both of you go through this and, you know, like just from my perspective, I the way that you've both approached it, super inspiring. And yeah, you should be kind to yourselves because of yeah. how you've approached it and you've kept moving forward and you've, yeah, it's been like, I know it's a tough situation, but in like we know with these things, like they're, they're tough situations, but if there is a good way to handle it, I'm pretty sure the way you guys are going about it is that way. So I know that too. Yeah. No, thanks, man. You know, it's and, and one of the things I remember reading in the book too that that I felt, wow, you know, Maury's a pretty cool guy, kind of like your mum, mm. pretty cool lady. Because one of the things that I remember reading in the book was that <laughs> Maury said, because when Maury was going through the the final stages of ALS, there was a there was a TV mm. interviewer that would come out and interview him, and that in, TV interviewer came out a few times, I think three times in total, and on the first time. You know, he he said to Maury, you know, what are you afraid of? Or, or, or what's going to happen to you? You know, is this the worst of it? And Maury says to him, well, one day soon, someone's going to have to wipe my ass. <laughs> you know, and, and like your mom, he would make these jokes and he'd, he'd find these humorous moments. Yeah. And, and he said to Mitch, the, the, again, the guy that came, his student that would come to interview him, he said, Mitch, I'm going to enjoy someone wiping my ass. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy these things. Society says I shouldn't be enjoying it, 
Society says that I should be sad and I should be useless and I should be depressed. But I don't really subscribe to the cultural norms of society. I'm going to enjoy this whole thing. I'm going to enjoy people coming and giving me massages every day because I'm getting bed sores. I'm going to enjoy the fact that someone's going to wipe my ass. And when I read that, I couldn't help but kind of laugh and smile. Because it's like, what he's saying there is that through some of the deepest and darkest moments we have to go through in life, we still get to decide how we experience going through that. You know, and I think what was so cool is that, you know, you read about these things and you kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, did Maury really do that? And, mm. and the crazy thing is seeing your mum decide to live out her final weeks of life mm. in the way that she did. You know, because while, sure, we could look at it and go, wow, you know, it was so beautifully your mum. And, and, mm. But no, man, she decided to live that way in her final weeks. Mm. It wasn't, it didn't just happen. Mm. She decided to be peaceful. She decided to still be humorous. She consciously made those decisions. And, and that's, that's what's cool is I feel like as we go through life, Ali, if we're able to make those conscious decisions to go, you know what, as shit as this situation is in life right now, I'm going to choose to see it this way, you know, in a, in a more positive light. That, that is just so... Wow, how cool is that? Yeah, you're right. It's amazing. Like, and it just shows you that when you see somebody doing that, when you know, like it's real and the stakes are pretty high, right? Like it yeah. doesn't get higher than those moments, and they they approach it in that way. It, like for me, it was a big, you know, I guess learning opportunity just to be like around. Well, we really do get to ultimately control how we experience things and how we approach it you know that is that is a reality of it like we and you mentioned before like you know there's a beauty in processing emotions and you know experiencing those but i also think there's sometimes a balance in terms of of how much you let those emotions either serve you or control you yeah right and and that was one of the things that I was always, and I still am because it's still pretty new. So I don't know how far through the processing journey I am of this. Yeah, but, yeah, it's but it's like, okay, well, like I've, I've kind of tried to embody that mindset of, all right, well, this this has happened, but how can we make it as positive and experience and and also like find the lessons in it and use it potentially to help and share it with other people to say that, mm. look, I don't know if this is the right way to go about it, but this is a model where you can step into it. You can really try to get to acceptance as quickly as possible. Try to find the positives as much as possible. Um, try to capture your loved one's story and mm. the, the beauty in those stories so that you can keep shining their light. Like for me, it just feels like, I don't know, for, for me personally, the more uh, the approach is going to allow me to move through it in a much better way than mm. say the alternative, which is just really like sitting in the sadness or whatever you want to call it for, for a long yeah. period of time. Because I, I just don't know what I can really do with that too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, yeah. Maury spoke about that. He, he, I think what I learned from this book was that, and then I saw you do this and I wonder if you did it because you're reading this book during this time as well. He, he would wake up 
Maury and, and he'd cry. He'd cry for, for him and mm. the life that he probably can't live anymore. He'd cry because of the illness taking away his ability to function. And then after he has a cry, he would acknowledge the emotion and he'd wave goodbye to it and say, thank you for visiting me today, but you're not staying. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's that, whereas I think a lot of the times I fear those emotions. Mm. I'm afraid of sometimes feeling it. So I would at times kind of go, oh, it, it, you know, sadness is knocking on the door. Let's, let's pretend no one's home. And then every time sadness comes to visit again, it knocks louder, mm. you know, and, and, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where it just, you know, it, it's like a big bad wolf. It blows your whole house down and then it, it, it causes chaos. Whereas seeing Maury, it's like sadness knocks on the door, but it's, it's like a whisper and he lets it in and he lets it in. He does cry, but then it quickly leaves and he allows him to get on with the day. And, and I saw you do that. I saw you give yourself permission to feel sad and embrace those emotions. And, and it was like you moved with it as opposed to try to oppose it, block it, mm. trap it, you know, hide it away. It's, it's, it's another lesson in detachment. Mm. You know, we are only detached when we allow ourselves to feel. Yeah. Whereas I, I used to think detachment was you don't feel anything. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, being detached means that I'm just neutral all the time. I, well, no, I don't feel anything. I'm detached from all of it. But no, detachment learning from this book is that, no, no. The moment those emotions surface, allow yourself to feel it. Yeah. But once you've felt it yeah. and it's done its thing, just acknowledge it. And then, you know, you've got other people to visit. <laughs> you've got other things to do. Don't just stay with me all day. I've got other things to do too. It's kind of, it's kind of a beautiful way of looking at it. And it might even sometimes I think the word detachment maybe might not be the correct word. It's nearly like mm. trying to step into acceptance as deeply yeah. as you can. And then that yeah. doesn't give you detachment, but it gives you freedom. Right? Let's say, because I think sometimes when people hear the word detachment, they maybe think it's avoidance. And there's a big difference mm. with avoidance. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, avoidance is, to me, it comes from a place of, say, fear. And mm. like, oh, this thing's too hard, so I need to just avoid this right now. I'll park yeah. it and then I'll come back and then deal with it. Whereas, call it true, it's not even detachment, but say if you want peace and freedom from a situation like this, I think you really do need to step into it. Mm. Um, and that's also hard too. But to me, it feels easier to step into full acceptance mm. than it is to do avoidance and then come into it. And I think- that's just something that I learned a little bit from this process and just from other things that have been, you know, potential challenges is, and you're probably the same as, you know, like when I go back to now at tying that point that we spoke about before and I was saying, you know, watching you go through your miscarriages, mm -hmm. I think one of the cool things that I've seen you with is that you do, you, you accept it and you step into it and then you move through it. Um, like you, you talk about it, you know, especially with us, more than most and you share your story publicly yeah. like that is an avoidance yeah. so i think your your chances of then moving forward are going to have yeah. to be increased because even though it's a really hard situation there's a level of acceptance in there and i think that's also when you talk about hey when in there the courage the courage mm. is in that too i think courage is also very highly linked to acceptance 
Mm. And when you see somebody like really go in and face what it is that they're experiencing um, and then trying to trying their best to figure out how to move through it in some way, shape or form. Whereas that, that real like sort of call it the sadness that you can't do much with, my gut mm. feel is that's based on avoidance mm. and the what ifs. Like <laughs> playing the what if game may be a bit too hard because there's not really much you can do with that. So maybe that's one of our takeaways is when you're dealing with something difficult and if avoidance has been the go-to playbook, maybe mm. a new one to try, which is equally as hard <laughs> and on the other side of the coin is just go full acceptance. Really, yeah. like one, of, one of our other episodes was extreme ownership. Like yeah. Yeah. And then maybe with ownership, then you can get to peace and forgiveness and find the lessons and move through it. The most beautiful thing about that is it allows you to move forward. Otherwise, you're stuck. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's... Yeah. I, I, it, just, it just reminds me of this other line in the book and I... I just love the way that Moria was able to think where he said, dying is only one thing to be sad about. Not mm-hmm. living is another. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, reading this book and, and, and learning about the life your mom's lived. I mean, one of the most inspiring things is that she's 60 and she got a boat license and bought a boat. Like, it's, that's ridiculous. You know, these are things people get. Like I hear people do this when they're in their thirties, you know, I mean, there's a woman in her sixties and it's that I, I, you know, another quote, and I know I'm throwing a few things around here, but Carl Jung has this brilliant line where he says, uh, the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. And I said this to you, I said, the greatest thing your mom ever did in her life was that she leaves with no burden on your shoulders because she lived her life. Yeah. She lived her life. So you don't feel this burden on your shoulders of, oh, it's pain for mom being gone. She didn't get to live. She didn't get to do all the things she wanted to do. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is to live our lives so that when we go, there's no burden for them. You know, I, I saw the way you went through this and, and part of it is because of the person you've become, Ali, but part of it is also because your mom lived her life. She didn't leave you with this, this weight. You know, she, did, she, didn't, she didn't leave going, oh, there's so many things I wanted to do, Ali. You know, she, she left in a way that, hey, I've lived a damn good life. I lived two lives in one. So you don't feel that pain. No. And the other things that she didn't leave with as well is like she, we had such a mutual understanding for each other to live our own fullest lives and go on our journeys. You know, like I think that's the other part is that not only did she live her full life, but she was mm. always encouraging of me to live my fullest life and everyone around yeah. her to live their fullest life. And I think when you keep compounding that, again, it has so much, it, like there wasn't there wasn't much that was unresolved, if that makes sense, because so much yeah, of it was just everyone being who they are and well- – but you know, the crazy thing is for a very deep connection. Well, the crazy thing is I never looked at, I never thought that one of the responsibilities as a parent was to live my life as a, as a, as an individual. Like one of the most powerful lessons I took away from, you know, the weekend we spent together celebrating Shami's life was that, you know, what is actually a part of my responsibility being Xander's dad for me to live fully. 
Isn't that cool? What a, what a cool mindset shift. Like that shifted it immensely for me is that I, I, I used, I honestly used to look at parenting as a sacrificial thing. I think because for a big part of my mom and dad's life, that's how they viewed it. You know, I'm, I'm breaking my back for you. I'm doing two jobs for you. Like again, it was, so much of it was for you, for you, for you. So as a result, growing up, I think a lot of immigrant kids, you know, kids growing up in refugee families do feel this because you feel that weight of, oh, my mom and dad aren't living their best life because of me. You know, and, and you can look at it in a negative way or positive way. I felt it at times in a negative way. Whereas for the first time, I got to see someone who, when they left, it was, there was such ease in your heart, in her heart. And now me learning that lesson is actually, you're, if you want to be a good dad to Xander, you've got to live a great life. And I was like, wow, that's so cool because I used to always think it's sacrificial. Like, for Xander to live a great life, well, I've got to sacrifice mine a little. So that, like, that just, that makes me view parenting in a completely different way. That, that's quite monumental, man. Like that's, again, see, it's, it's so powerful. I'm still learning these lessons from your mom and physically she may not be here, man, but wow, her lessons ripple on. Continuing on. And even if you think about it, like when you were just saying that, like can you imagine any kids that like seeing their parents yeah. not living their best life? Like why no. would – because that's, a, yeah, well, that's often sense. not going to translate into it being better for their relationship anyway. And and I'm, just as you were saying that, like I've, I've obviously, funnily enough, I've got a contrast, right? Like my dad passed away – Mm. now 12 years ago and we didn't really have much of a relationship but his story was very opposite to how mums mm. played out you know in terms of living life to the fullest and all that like there was so much that wasn't probably lived in so much like frustration or like wanting to mm. do things and not achieving it which is also you know it th- there's lessons and there's things that are inspiring about that part of that journey but it's more in regards to like you know what not to do <laughs> from my perspective, then what yeah. to do. But to have that contrast, um, you know, with them both and just yeah. to see how different it ended up and how how it impacted those around them, it, it's very, very unique, you know. So you're right. I think that is one of the biggest things, like as a parent especially. Is- What's a big thing? What's a big lesson you learned from your dad's passing? Because, you you know, you learned so many wonderful lessons from mum mm. because she showed you how to live. Yeah. Or was something was, you learned from your dad? I mean, he, he was the opposite, right? Like you said, he, he showed you how not to live, you know. Yeah. What's one of the one of the lessons you, you learned there? It was, it was dad's one was really interesting because it was so different. Like A, I was I was a lot younger at that time. And we so pretty much I hadn't seen him since I was sixteen, which is when me and mum essentially left, right, to start our version of our new life. Mm. Um and then then pretty much the next interaction after that was like 10 years later when I was about, <laughs> say, 25, 26, which was to be informed that he'd passed away, right? So, like, there was So, no did you real- have no contact? Like, there was no, no, zero contact? Um, no, no contact for that 10-year period. Wow. So, but then it was also because the other side, so with our family, we've got a pretty small family on my mm. side. Um, like, I've got no siblings. So, it was one of these things when I look at the lessons, like – First lesson was processing that at that age, essentially on my own or pretty much with me and mum and being like, all right, well, how do we go about this? And I think even back then, like, it was probably a little bit different, not as evolved as what 
what I'd say we are now. But I think even then I wanted to step into that and be like, all right, well, this is the reality of this situation. Um, mm. You know, at the end of the day, still my dad, dad, even though we didn't really have any of the relationships. So it will, you know, it was just taking ownership of saying goodbye and going through the process and doing it in accordance with his sort of beliefs and religion mm. and values. And so I think back then it was all about closure, but then sort of after it, when I started processing and I started looking back at his story a little bit more and all of that, I think a lot of it was just around inspiration of, well, uh, this is somebody that gave me life that put me mm. into this world, even though we didn't have that greater relationship and those complications and we're probably in many ways better off apart. It's like, what can I then learn from his story? And then I started connecting some of the dots where we had similarities, you know, like even in terms of like a big part of probably my entrepreneurial journey, even at a subconscious level is inspired by him because when he was younger, he wanted to start a business, but just sort of never went down those paths. So I think the big lessons that I learned from him was, especially when I became a parent was a, Mm. like do not like one of the things was just categorically never going to let, that relationship between me and my children not be the best relationships in my mm. life. You know, so yeah. it was like, all right, lock that away. Um, yeah. There won't be any like, you know, like it'll just be fully predicated on love and mm. don't really care too much about the specifics. And then the other part probably was around showing the boys that, you know, you can go follow your dreams and, you go live your life to the fullest. So again, going back to mum's values and mm. probably my values around that side is that uh, we'll, you know, we'll take a lot from mum's playbook, but I think in terms of how I practice a lot of my vocations, there was things that I could take from him just that were mm. natural skills um, yeah. that, that he probably didn't execute enough on. So it was that finding that, so that little mixture between them both. Like, because mum always made people feel amazing. And I think mm. he he could see things like he had like the entrepreneurial mindset, but just never executed it. So I'm like, yeah, oh, there's yeah. a combination here where you can take the best ingredients from them both. Um, so for him, it was probably trying to live a legacy that he didn't get to live and, mm. you know, me not having the same regrets. So learning what not to do. And then on mum's side, I was like, do it the right way as much as possible. I like what you mentioned there. It's, it's, and I see it in you, you know, it's, he taught you how to dream a little, have a vision but you have to learn how to execute and make the dream actually happen. Whereas I think a lot of people fall into the trap of being dreamers. You know, we dream about the life we want to live. I mean, I mean, one of the most vivid stories you told me was when he passed, one of the things that was left behind was this, was this business plan, yeah. right? Where, and, and you read it and you're like, actually, this is a pretty solid business plan. Oh, you've got it. No way. That's crazy. You never even showed me that before. <laughs> Oh wow! Show, show yeah, me again. Show me again. Show me yeah, again. It's got like, how funny that? It's like this. Oh wow! You see, man, like that's. I feel like the the thing there is it's almost he he gave you some of the ingredients, you know, and that's the visionary, right? He he showed you showed you how to see the vision, but then you had to learn how to execute and make that vision turn into a reality. Whereas so often, Ali, I think this is not just your dad. I think. A lot of people, including myself at times, can fall into the trap of you can dream. It's always fun to dream, but it's really hard to make the dream a reality. <laughs> you know, and it, it's funny. you got the yin and yang with your, your mom and your dad. You know, it's, yeah. 
And, you know, I wanted to ask you this, Ali. You know, I think what's, what's really interesting about the experience you've gone through is that you're the only child, mm. right? Mum and dad are both gone now. Mm. What does that feel like? You know, I, I, and I, you know, it's weird for me because I still have both my parents. Yep. And, you know, these are the people that gave you life. The two people that gave you life are no longer here. What, does that, what is that like? What does that feel like? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, and when I look at it, it's like I was sort of reflecting on it the other day. It's like both parents kind of gone before, like, I'm 35. Mm. So, and then I, I don't know. It, one of the things that comes to my mind when I look back on that, it's well, first of all, it just is what it is. Like, that's just, you know, going back to the acceptance model. That's just the reality yeah. of it. But yeah, yeah. The big thing that, like, when you ask me that question, it's like, all right, well, am I missing something or is there a lack? And mm. I think one of the things that I've been able to do kind of with family, and just because we've had a small family, and even when I look back at my entire side of the family, they've always been separated sort of geographically. So all of my uncles and aunties, like uh, I haven't seen a cousin probably in 20 years. Everyone lives all over the world. Like wow. in Australia, like my only blood relative other than my kids was mum. Right, so there isn't anyone else. I've got one uncle that's on mum's side that's still alive and I've got two uncles on my dad's side that I haven't seen since I was like eight or nine, right? So so then we look at that like in terms of family, like what it made me sort of realise is that you kind of build your own family. You know, so if I look at the core of my family, it's like, yeah, look, there's one side of it, which is all right, both my parents aren't here anymore. But then I look at the relationship that I've got with my wife, with my mother-in-law, with her side of the family, with my, you know, 10 best mates that we grew up with that are essentially like brothers, with myself, mm. with, you know, the boys. Like, say, when I look at it, like, the cup of family still feels very, very full. Wow. Right? Like, so it's not something where I then look at it yeah. where I'm like, okay, what's There's a void. Even, no, the, the, it doesn't feel like there's, like, yeah, there's obviously yeah. a void, but- to me, it's like, even when I look at the relationship with mum, like our relationship wasn't very much a day-to-day relationship mm. because she was living in Perth, which is on the other side of Australia. Mm. But a lot of, I call it these really deep relationships, to me that the strength doesn't need to be there on the day-to-day, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, it does. The, the love and the connection is still very strong. And mm. for me, even now that say mum's passed, like that relationship still feels pretty strong, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's just a different type of relationship now mm. um, where it's more, you know, about continuing to shine her light in our version of the world um, while she transitions into a different journey. So, yeah, it's it, and it would be different, I think. I actually think in a way, and again, I'll go with the silver linings and the positive parts of this, the fact that I had those types of relationships and a small family it probably changes my perspective on yeah. like my perception of loss as well or practical, you know, day-to-day loss. Whereas say, for example, in, in your world, for example, if you're seeing your parents like every single day or every yeah. three days and you speak to them every day, there's a completely yeah. different dynamic there that yeah. you're going to have to experience. But then you get the upside as well of having those day-to-day beautiful interactions and moments. So I just, again, you're, you compare apples to apples, right? Like in my well, circumstance, it's that's kind of the thing. It's like, okay, well, and and the thing that I go back to now, it's not really worrying about 
sort of me not having parents. It's about, okay, mm. well, now what can Chantelle and I do as parents for our kids? Mm. And focusing on that rather than focusing on the part that I can't really control or change. Well, man, one of the most beautiful passages from this book was Maury talks about how one of the most special things in life, one of the most beautiful things in life is to have children. And then along with one of the most beautiful things in life of having children, one of the hardest things in life is to say goodbye to your children. Mm. You know, it's, it's one of those things where if we're lucky and life is done right, we get to say goodbye to our children and we are the ones that go. Whereas, you know, there are some people who lose their children, you know, and I can only imagine the kind of, like that is probably yeah. the one type of pain that I don't know if I'd recover from. You know, it's, it's like yeah. we, we, we talked about this as well. It's, it's like there is nothing I fear more than that. Mm. And yeah, my parents, they'll get older. Look, I accept that at some point we'll have to part ways, Mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, I I can, yeah, there are some pains that man, I'm curious. It's like, how how do you even come back from things like that? It's, it's crazy, but but, the the point I can think of that. Yeah. That would, that would derail me. I really like, don't know how you like all the things that we've spoken about today. Yeah. 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 I don't know how you step into that one. Like I can't imagine it. I I can imagine myself enjoying somebody else wiping my ass. I I can go, you know what? That's kind of messed up, but I probably can get there. I probably with enough time and effort and focus, I probably can get there. But man, just when you, you talk about things about children, it's that, Oh man, that's another, that's the one that, yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah, that's that, hmm. comprehend and yeah. Hopefully, none of us ever have to think about that. But like, I, what the point I was trying to get at is that mm. I love that you've got the family you were born into, and then you've got the family that you choose. Mm. You know, I think that what that highlights is that the importance of relationships, regardless of whether they're blood relationships or whether they're relationships in general. Mm. I mean, I I watch you go through this difficult time, and I got to see all these important characters in your life shine. Mm. You know, I remember sitting in your house the night before and we were writing the speech for Shami and your speech, the things I was going to say. And I got to watch your little boy shine, right? Mm. On the day of the funeral, Marcel got on stage, your, your oldest boy, and he delivered the most incredible speech. It made people laugh. It made people cry. It was just, you know, yeah, you know, credit's due where it needs to be given credit to. You know, yourself, me, and, and Chantel, we sat there all night writing his speech, so we were his speech writers. But I got to watch him shine. I got to watch Chantel shine. You know, she walked into that room where you and I were struggling to write the speech. She sat down. She goes, all right, this is going to be fun. I'm going to write it. And she writes it. While she's writing it, she cries. And then within about 15 minutes, she goes, hey, guys, I'm ready to deliver it. And then she practices it in front of us. Smashes that talk unbelievable kind of speech she cries while she's doing it and she gives she claps for herself at the end of it <laughs> and she walks out and you and i are there going what how are we going to write our speeches brother yeah no. you know so i yeah. i got to see all these different she, she's gonna love life. you talking about her in this episode <laughs> too because it's something i always get in trouble about it's not no but not I, I did promise her some stage but, time yeah. on the credit words you no no but it's, it's just just seeing all these different people step up and be there for yeah. you. Mm. You know, it's amazing. Dude, Marcel's nine. You know, mm. he did this. <laughs> he did, did like this scares most grown adults. It scared yeah. me. But I, I got to watch him shine. And I know that there's so much of him doing it because he loves you. I know there's so much of Chantel doing it because she loves you. I do it because I love you. 
I got to see your friends be there for you because they love you. And I got to see the family that you chose. And it was one of the most beautiful, beautiful gatherings. And, and I love that you said you don't feel like there's a hole in your life. That, that part of your life still feels full where I feel for so many right now, they'll feel like there's just this massive hole, you know, and, and yeah. it, it speaks again to the importance of, you know, it's not about the house. It's not about the next car. It's about the quality of relationships we have with people. Mm. You know, it's, it's man, and your mum would be, would be so proud of you, bro. You know, you're, you're living out, you're, you're living well. You know, the people that I saw stand up for you and be there for you, they're only there because you're a good person. No, it's, um, it's beautiful, you know, like, and I appreciate you saying all these kind of things, brother. Like, yeah, it's true. Like, I think in moments like this, and even when I look back on, call it how the funeral and the memorial and everything played out, like that was one of the most amazing things is to see, A, the quality of people and the stories yeah. and everything, you know, related to mum and the people that showed up, like even from 20, 30 years ago in her life. And everyone had some either funny story or some story where she positively impacted their life. Like it wasn't anything. It was never just like the consequent, inconsequential, like general thing. It was like usually something yeah. quite hilarious or something quite <laughs> impactful. So <laughs> I think that was amazing. But then, yeah, and sort of in my call it close circle and our family, um, it was amazing just to see that. Like even the day that it happened, um, because it, when when things like this happen, like you get so many messages, right? Like everyone yeah. is there to care about you, but you're still kind of processing everything. And there's only so mm. much that you can get back to. But yeah, sort of like mine, I'll call them my brothers. You know, my school friends that are like brothers. They uh, a few called, and I'm like, yeah, and I'll get back later and all that. And then one of them, Tim. He's just like, just hear a knock on the door. <laughs> He's just rocked up. And then he comes in, then a message goes out to the other boys. And then within sort of an hour, everyone's here. Um, wow. The guys are sort of having a drink, sharing stories. And because it just, it was true, like in so many ways, like the way that we grew up, all of our parents, it was like a group parent nearly, you know, mm. like my mum was a parent to my mates, like their parents, their parents to all of us. And it was a little bit different like that just because we, we really lived out each other's houses and pockets. We spent so much time together. So um, that was amazing, you know, just to see that and to have that support network. And then, yeah, even with how the ceremony played out with the stories and the speeches and stuff like, I love that we were able to sort of send mum off in that way and to shine a light in her story and her legacy, hopefully in a way that also then impacts people moving forward. And I think that's, that's it, kind of it's, what it's all about. It's scary how similar this book is with your mom's life. Mm. You know, all these people would come to visit Maury as he was dying. Mm. You know, the number of people that reached out with your mom, the number of people that came to, to her funeral and, and to celebrate her life, the number of people that came out of the woodworks, you know, it's, it's just amazing because it's so many similarities, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really, you know, and it's funny because then you contrast that with what you mentioned to me about your dad. <laughs> where at his funeral it was very different. Mm. You know, some of his own family didn't even come. Mm. You know, it, it kind of shows there are different ways we can live mm. and what kind of verse are you writing? What kind of verse mm. are you contributing? You know, are you truly making this world a better place or, or are you not? You know, it's, yeah. 
it's amazing that you had that contrast like that. It's just wow. It goes back to, and I think that part of it, mm. where that contrast is, it's based on the level of impact and call it positive impact that you have on people. Because I think yeah. that's what generally happens when these things, like, it's, you know, if you think about when somebody passes away, most people, do they have a memory or a story that sticks out in their mind? And if they do mm. and it was meaningful to them, yeah. they're going to be that person that's going to want, that's going to be impacted you know, when, when that person passes, so, you know, if, um, and I think it's, it's probably not a bad guideline for living, you know, it's <laughs> like when I'm in this interaction, like, am I treating people in a way that is going to make them want to, yeah, turn up? Did it, did it impact them? Did it connect with them in some way, shape or form? And it's usually the small things, right? Mm. Like, it's going and paying for lunch when somebody's in the toilet. Like it's um, sharing a laugh or a story, you know, like it's so much about it. It's making people feel good. Thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that, it's that Maya Angelou quote, you know, people will forget what you look like. People will forget what yeah. you've said. People will even forget what you've done, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. You know, I think Maya Angelou really understood that it's, it's just about how people, how you make people feel. You know, there, there are some people who walk into your life and the moment they open the door and they walk into your life, you instantly feel better, right? It's, it's just the way they live their life and, and they have that intention inside them of, I want to brighten people's day, you know, and your mum always had that. It's so crazy that it's like I said to you, it's, it's like as, it's like I'm just starting to get her to know her now and it, it's, man, what a, what a beautiful woman. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, again, going back to the Tuesdays with Mario, there's so many similarities because mum would always yeah. drop these little wisdom bombs. And one of the things that she said was she's like, it's not really, you know, even so much about like what you do. Mm. You know, it, it's really who you are fundamentally. <laughs> and I think, you know, what I took that as it's like nearly on the deeper level of at its core, who are you? And yeah. how does that impact people? You know? Mm. Mm. And I'm like, that's pretty true. Oh, man, that's and it's weird. Now that this I- This line in the book. Man, yeah. Just before we go on that, it's like, you know, mm. it's like one of the cool lines and he repeats it twice and he's like, once you learn how to die, you learn how to live. Man, that's exactly where I was up to right now on my notes. Holy shit, that's scary. <laughs> yep. So, learn how to die and you'll learn how to live. Yeah. That's very, that's what, like, that's pretty close to like Buddhist teachings, right? Unpack that yeah. a little. I mean- Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a heavy line. I mean, learn how to die and you'll learn how to live. You know, the way I, I hear that, it's learn that relationships are probably the most important thing in your life, not material mm-hmm. things, and then you'll learn how to live. Because the things that people realize when they die, first thing. Yet when we're young, guess what we're chasing? All that material stuff. Yeah. It would be pretty similar for me. Uh, to me, it's more around probably attachments in your life. Mm. So once well, what, you have- What a, are you attached to if you are not attached to material things? Oh, like there would be- I think that- I don't know. With, with attachment, there's always things that I'm still attached to, right? Like whether it's going to be relationships, it's work, it's kids, hobbies, travel- 
mm. adventure, you know, how I want to spend my time. Um, even things like, you know, like even doing this podcast, there's a level of attachment. There's, there's always going to be these, these things that you're attached to, but I think it's about having a healthy relationship right. with the things that you're attached to and not being consumed by it. And, you know, we, we speak about this in some of the other episodes where I always go back to nearly fluidity. Like how can you flow mm. through things? Because for me personally, if I get too attached to something and it's an un- 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 sorry, an unhealthy type of attachment to it, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to serve me too well. Mm. Because then you're grasping, you're not changing, you're not adapting to things. You've got too much of a closed-minded view on it. Or if I lose this, I'm not, I'm not, you know, who I am anymore. And I was speaking to somebody about this the other day when we were talking about businesses and, you know, and one of the big lines was, it's like, you're not your business. (laughs) Your business is something that you do. Like that is a vocation. Whereas we get so tied up to these things where it's like, oh, if if my business fails, if my career fails, if this relationship doesn't work out, like, I think that's what this line nearly means. Mm. It's like when you have that healthy relationship that it is all kind of finite, and it does change. And, you know, like when we talk about death, generally we talk about it like death of a person, but you mentioned a little bit earlier on in the episode. Yeah. A lot of the times it's death of the ego, you know, and mm. it wasn't that complete a thought early on, but I was sort of touching on this where it's like, it's relative, right? Like something really sad that I'm going through isn't going to be that sad for the person that's making coffee this morning because yeah. it's not relative. They're not attached to it the way that I'm attached to it. So mm-hmm. when you have a healthy relationship with that and you can really observe it for what it is, um, then maybe that's that thing. And I think there's that in the book, there's that Gandhi quote, you know, every night I go to sleep, I die, and then I wake up again in the morning. So it's true. Like we, we have these deaths that are happening all the time that just happen from change. And when we understand that, that, that there's going to be some death that, maybe makes us feel sad or angry or frustrated. And there's going to be other deaths that link to all the things that make us happy and that are exciting and moving forward. Like, yeah, your career ended. That's a death. But then you started a new one and you found the job that you love. That's life, right? Like, so um, we go through that. And I think that was even one of the things that I told you, like, even as this was happening with mum, like, I know that, you know, you and a couple of other people that we know are in the process of starting families and expanding on their families. And I'm like, that was one of my big wishes out of this is that hopefully Mm. (laughs) if there is a high power out there, it's like, look, it's like if there is a negotiation to be had, can we make a trade here? Like (laughs) we know someone because one person, one person comes to the end of it. Like then there's also hopefully then going to be, that life that comes on the other side. There was, there was a passage written about this in the book. I don't know if you remember it, but there was a, I think it was a South American belief or, or, or culture or religion that yeah. believes that the energy of the world is a constant. There's, a, there's an equilibrium state of energy. And when something dies, something comes back to life. No, not back to life, but it's, that energy is then recycled back in. So, you know, when you, they, they said that when a hunter kills an animal, then now there's a void in the space of that energy. But then when the hunter dies, the hunter refills that void. So there's this kind of, again, Lion King, right? Circle of life thing. And, <laughs> yeah, Lion King. Yeah, and dude, that was beautiful. It always comes back to Lion King. It yeah, it, it does really come back to Lion King at most times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, I think it's, I was reading something similar. I can't remember where. Yeah. And it was also saying that, you know, everything that happens, 
even in mm. life and in death. It's just a transmutation of energy. Yeah. Right? Like, so you can Makes look a lot at of sense. it from that perspective. It's like, mm. even when somebody passes, I think one of the reasons why it's quite confronting is because it's a very different shift in that energy. But, mm. like, even when you look at this book, right? Like, Murray's sort of gone, but yeah, long kind of still lives on. He does. Through the book and through the lessons, us speaking about it. So, yeah. Is he gone or is it just a different form and transmutation of that energy? Like, I'm like, all right, this, this starts getting a little Well, it does. I mean, very, it, very it's interesting hard. you say that because in a way he's still here. Mm. You know, we got to read his words. We got to yeah. see his picture. We got to learn his life. And in a way he's still here. It, it's why one of the most powerful ways to have impact still in today's world is a book. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? A it's book. A movie. A story. Yeah, a movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, I like what you said before is that you want to help shine mum's light so that she continues to have impact. I think it's inevitable. I don't think there's a way you can live that doesn't continue her legacy because of how she shaped you, you know, it's something that my my mum and dad would always say, and I want to share this with all our listeners as well, and it's that my dad used to say something that gives me a lot of comfort when my grandmother passed. You know, we're all sitting there, she'd already passed, and we're at a funeral. My dad got up and he said, there's more of grandma in this room right now than there was ever in her. And he started pointing around to us kids saying, you know, the way you love this particular food you love that even more than grandma but that's grandma in you and then pointed to grandma's you know sister at the time in vietnam and said for you the, the the kindness that you have there's more of that in you than there was ever in her again there's so much of her still here there's more of her in this room than there ever, was ever in her you know and, and it gave me so much comfort that you know imagine being able to live in a way like that where there's so much of Shami still here. It's inevitable. It's like it's not that you have to be conscious of it. It's 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 basically inevitable that she it's lives true. on. Yeah. It's true. And it does. It lives on in all the relationships. And and maybe that's the thing. we like if we look at the the core thread in this, it's so much about it is how you how you touch the world. Yeah. Right. And how you choose to impact it. And that comes down to a choice. Like what are your values? How are you? Well, what, what are your? What are you? What are most of your interactions like with people? Like, are they positive? Are you trying to help people? Are you trying to move them forward? Are you trying to make them unlock their potential? Like, even when I think back, you know, to what we try to do a lot of, like in your world, you teach people. You teach people how to be mm -hmm. better, and you amplify them, and you help them connect with people and communicate. And, you know, and my one that I've probably lent towards is I hope help people try to live a little bit more and live uniquely and follow their dreams and pursue passions. And, mm. it's like, you know, we have our threads there and then they're linked to our parents and to the people that have impacted our lives. But yeah, just a lot of it goes back. I think now, especially after this is around impact and, Yeah, contribution, what that maybe looks like. Mm. Yeah, man, it's 
it's nice to be able to have moments in life where it causes us to reflect the way we're reflecting right now. Mm. You know, whereas a lot of the times life is pretty go, 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 go. Mm. Huh. There's nothing like somebody passing that makes you really reflect on life and go, you know, am I happy with the way I'm living? Am I living in a way that would make that person proud? You know, and, and another thought that keeps coming to mind, man, it's so strange in that, like, think about how many people have read Maury's book that feel like they have a connection with Maury, but Maury's not even here anymore. <laughs> think about how I'm beginning a different form of relationship with your mom as I'm hearing more about her, even though she's no longer here, and how she's been able to impact my life. And like I said to you, a big one is, I'm going to live my life so that I do not burden my children with the weight. You know, it's like there, there is impact happening right now. So much. But yeah. Even, yeah. even how it changes, like, key relationships. Like, say, yeah. for example, like, how you were there for me and my family during that time. Like, we've done, you know, in a pretty sh- relatively short period of time, we've experienced a fair bit together. But this is just another thing that adds to it. Like, the fact that that happened, and as you said before, like Marcel getting up and speaking, mm-hmm. getting to see your child like pull off something incredible like that, watching your wife speak, watching the impact on your friends, like it just changes all these dynamics, and that was all linked through that event. Yeah, right. Um, which is very powerful, and yeah. So yeah, the, the I think the. I think the other thing that we're maybe learning from this is that just because, you know, I'll say this with quotation marks, it's a death, doesn't mean that it's over. And maybe mm. sometimes that's what it feels like. And it's really hard to get beyond that, that this is the end of something and I'm never going to get it back. I think that causes a lot of pain for people, whereas what even you were saying and what your dad said about your grandma, that's a, it's a pretty beautiful way to continue on. Hmm. The um, the life. Something that Maury said as well. He he says that it, often the word dying and the word death is associated with the word useless. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "I'm just, I'm going to make sure that that's not the case with me. You know, I, I can be research. I can be of use still. And I I love that. You know, mm-hmm. is that death and dying does not mean useless. Yeah, it doesn't because again, you can choose what you leave behind. You know, you you really can, and it just—it's funny how it makes us still, and, and it makes you think about the way you live. It's and it's crazy. The more the more I'm thinking about the book and looking through my notes here, the more I'm like, wow, there's just so many synergies. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, even the book, well, I think it's been so successful, and it's such a powerful book, is because obviously it's. You know, it's about Maury's sort of journey into death, but really it's a book about living. Yeah. Really, like he's breaking it down. But I think what makes people listen the most is this is coming from somebody who is dying and yeah. he's teaching people and Mitch, you know, in this. And that's the power within the book is that it's, it's really a guide for life in a way or a model, a potential model. One of the topics later in the book that I, I found really interesting is that there are some invis- there are some invisible heroes in this book. And one of the invisible heroes, I think, is Maury's wife, mm. right? 
because people from all over the world, all over the country came to visit Maury. And it's very easy, I think, in that position for Maury's wife to think of it as, well, I've only got so much time left with my husband. Everyone's taking it away from me. Not once in the book did I sense that, now whether they didn't write it or not, but I, I, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here, is that she always seemed so generous. Imagine like Maury's wife just hated Mitch. Like this whole book is like the I worst. Know. <laughs> and Mitch just left that out and rewrote it completely different. It's like, oh, she's just hating <laughs> him right now. But there's, there's, there's that chapter on marriage that I thought was really cool. And then Maury yeah. said, you know, marriage is a very important thing to do. And if you're, and you're missing a hell of a lot if you don't at least try it, right? Yeah. And there was there was this beauty where where he wrote marriage. I guess is a passage on marriage advice, and I yeah. loved it. Where he wrote, "There are a few rules I know to be true about love and marriage. If you don't respect the other person, you're going to have a lot of trouble. If you don't know how to compromise, you're going to have a lot of trouble. If you can't talk openly about what goes on between you, you're going to have a lot of trouble." And if you don't have a common set of values in life, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Your values must be alike. Yeah. And I love that because it talks about respect. It talks about learning to compromise. It talks about being open and transparent. It talks about having common values. Four incredibly powerful pieces of wisdom there that I took that I'm, you know, I'm going to make sure is, is, is applied to, to Pei Wen and I. I love that. It's great for probably any relationship, really. Yeah. Like, you're right. I made a note of that exact same passage. Did you? Where, yeah. I yeah, love that passage. It was pretty cool, really practical tips. Well, and then I love, the, I love the last one, right? And he goes, and the biggest one of those values is your belief in the importance of your marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to like, Yeah, yeah. So it finishes it off because you can substitute the word marriage for anything. You know, as yeah, a parent, friendship, friendship, relationship, yeah, yeah, mm. leader, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The great little well, four-step that, guideline that, there. But that's what I wanted to mention in that, just to highlight his wife for a sec, because everyone got the best moments with Maury, mm. right? Everyone got the moments where he was up and he was energetic. But I am certain that the moment those people leave and the door closes and he's with his wife, he's suffering. I mean, the book mentioned many times the nights where he would cough three to four hours nonstop and how he'd suffer, not be able to sleep. Guess who was by his side? Guess who was there for him? It's his wife. It was like she didn't get to experience the best moments with him. She was there for all the worst moments. And she shared some of the best moments with other people. It just goes to show that his story wouldn't be this story if she wasn't there. He would have died a long time ago. And, and it goes to show that who you marry in life is one of the most important decisions you ever make, man. Far out. It's, it's that. And it just made me think a lot about Pei Wen as well. In You are also who you are because of Chantel. I am who I am because of Pei Wen. And it's, it's crazy how often... Or how easy it is for us to take those things for granted. 
It, yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's funny because she doesn't get her own chapter, which was, which was crazy. <laughs> mm. She's sprinkled throughout the book, but yeah. You're yeah. Right, like, well, because she's a private even, person. I know she's a very private person as well. Well, even going through this like recently, and I think there's another line in the book that talks about this. It's like, yeah, you probably like people believe that they don't need other people or sometimes they believe that, but it's in these yeah. moments where when you do have people around you and just great yeah. humans, it makes yeah. experiences like this a lot more manageable and you can yeah, go into oh, it a lot differently. Even, even when I look back at this experience, right, like whether it was having my friends, you know, Chantel's family, Chantel in particular, our boys, yourself, like all this sort of the core, the core group, you know, her brother, um, you know, my brother-in-law, like, like all of these people, the, it's nearly like the high quality of people you have around you and the relationships that you manage and foster. Like even a look at our team, the work team handling everything when I was going through this process, like it goes so wide and far where mm. I was able, that wasn't anything that I had to worry about throughout that entire process. Mm. You know, there was no like every single person was sort of rowing the boat in the right direction and making it, you know, the most seamless sort of and best experience that it possibly could be. Mm. And when I look back on that, that's going to be one of the coolest things that I'll always remember. Mm. It's like, well, like, everyone stepped up, everyone chipped in everyone was amazing everyone did all these things like that's what that's one of the things that you do remember when you're experiencing these bits and pieces and yeah it changes it like so you know what you just made me think of you made me think of we want to upgrade cars all the time we want to upgrade homes all the time upgrade jewelry clothes whatever we always want to upgrade material things upgrade material things all the time but what about upgrading our relationships what about doing something that will help make the relationship better yeah. What about investing in relationships? You know, it, it's 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 funny, isn't it? We we think about all these other things, investing in our wealth creation, you know, and all. But what about investing in relationships? I mean, far out. And you know what's crazy? The relationships that we forget to invest in the most are the ones that are closest to us. Again, it's just making me think about what can I do to invest in my relationship with Pay When, right? It's. It's easy to think about all these other relationships to invest in, but we forget about the ones that are closest to us at times. Better say the same thing about Chantel, otherwise I'll get in trouble, even though I don't want to repeat always what you're saying. But (laughs) yeah, no, but but it's true though, right? It's true in that whether it's you and Chantel or me and Pei Wen, that is the easiest relationship to take for granted. However, when things go bad, it's the one relationship we depend on the most. I mean, in Maury's situation, who's going to wipe your ass? Mm. It's going to be your partner. Mm. Who's the person that's going to get up in the middle of the night to to do all these things for you? And and Maury did mention, though, to his credit, he did mention that she's one of the people that got him through this. You know, him knowing that there's someone always there, that spiritual security almost, that made it bearable for him. Mm. You know, and, and it's it's interesting because it just made me think it's, yeah. And 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 it's funny because the thing that, that is always there is the thing that you always 
don't appreciate it as much. It's funny, right? So I'll give you, the, I'll give you an outside example of, of, of wives for a moment so you don't feel so so guilty. <laughs> but um, so I, had a, I have a computer in my studio that I use. It's a little laptop. And that little computer has been just the champion. It's, helped, it's been there for me for the last five to six years, reliable. Every time I come in, I press it, it works. Fantastic. I, I, you know, I leave it on. I didn't even put it to sleep. I just leave it on all the time because you know, I'm like, yeah, it's always going to work. And two weeks ago, in the middle of an important online presentation, it just died. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, it died. Oh, what the hell is the most reliable thing ever? And, 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 and you don't realize, how, I didn't realize how important that laptop was to me until it died. You know, and, and then I brought it into the store, into the Apple store. And they're like, oh, look, the reason, did you, did you always leave this computer on, Vin? I'm like, I, like I, I don't think I put it to sleep or turned it off in like two whole years. And the, the battery had, had died, essentially. But again, that's just a little metaphor for the things that are incredibly reliable in our lives. The things that are extremely <laughs> consistent are the things we take advantage of. That's right. Yeah. Rather crazy. than ever letting it rest, you just kept it on. Until... I just do. I just kept It's always on. It's always on. So now I, yeah. I've learned to, to... It's true. So again, just be more sensitive to the things mm. in life that are so important to you. But because of consistency, because of daily convenience because of daily reliance we become blind to its importance (laughs) it's the funniest thing with like the deep call it the deepest relationships or the relationships that we interact with most common we spoke about this a few weeks ago where when you have that those the amount of reps that a relationship like a marriage has or a parent relationship or a sibling relationship I think one of the hardest things is like you got to, it's nearly like that analogy of, you know, you have to keep cleaning the windows and making sure that like the tinge, because you're doing a lot of kilometers together. Yeah. Right. And that, that's what happens with these long-term relationships where it can get, you can get some dirt sometimes on the windshield and you need to always just make sure that yeah it's getting wiped off and renewed. And I loved what you said before about upgrading these relationships. Yeah. Investing yeah. in them. And it gets harder, right? Because the more, you know, we've spoken about it before, like just keeping it healthy and clean. It's like like what you said with the laptop. It needs servicing. It needs yeah. maintenance. It needs upgrading yeah. as yeah. things change. And and it's true though, like the, the more you invest in that, you're gonna have you're gonna have something that's got a lot of depth and a lot of reliability. It's gonna be there for you when you need it. Uh, yeah, hmm. it's it's a good point, bro. Well, I mean, uh, while I was reading Maury's book and and you know having gone through with what you've been through, I just thought to myself, if I go through a situation like that, what's going to be the most important thing to me? Hmm. And again, it was just relationships, relationships. It was the people I wanted around. I, I'd want you to be there. I'd want Paywen to be there. My parents, my cousin, my friends. I, it, it wasn't stuff, man, and. I bring this up again because there was a chapter on money and bring in all my things. watches, quick, yeah. quick, get them on. <laughs> quick, bring, bring my Jeep Gladiator in. I want you to drive it through the lounge room. I want to, I want to hold its wheel. <laughs> you actually probably will want that. You want everyone sitting inside the sitting Jeep. In my Jeep Gladiator. You know, yeah, I, I, I know the Jeep. we're meant to be meeting and everything, but but I, I would want my Jeep. I want to be. I would want to be sitting in my Jeep while I'm dying. Yeah, and that laptop. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I want it on. <laughs> 
<laughs> Leave all the people outside. I just want my laptop. <laughs> I want my Jeep. And uh, yeah, I've also I've got a, I've got a favorite lantern. I've got a um like a uh, gosh, it's a I can't remember what the lantern type of lantern's called, but it's it's fire and it's brilliant. It's just <laughs> uh, you got to pump the gas into it, and then yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, but, yeah. All right. At least we now know what we need to bring in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Three things: cheap lantern and laptop. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah. he's got twenty minutes for people, but he's got to just yeah spend some time with these three <laughs> items. <laughs> Here's a line from the book that I love: "Invest in the human family. Invest in people. Build a little community of those you love and who love you." It's this beautiful line by Maury. I just want to read it again so I can kind of absorb it as well. Invest in the human family. Invest in people. Build a little community of those you love and who love you. You know, it's it's why I love tribes. You know, you've always said to me, oh, you, when, when things go pear-shaped for me, the first thing I want is I want my tribe. You know, one of the things that I did when, when Perwin and I, we went through that whole miscarriage thing the fourth time is I immediately cleared my diary, canceled a bunch of stuff work-wise. I got my cousins, got my mum, got my aunties, booked the holiday house, stayed there for four days. And we cooked together, we ate together, shed some tears together. That healed that helped us heal. It was our tribe, you know, and it, and I, I wouldn't have that if I didn't invest in those relationships. You wouldn't have had the people who've rushed to your aid if you did not invest in those relationships. And I think, again, one big thing I'm taking away from this in the, 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 the second part of, you know, second section of our podcast now towards the end is that I'm, I'm going to try my best not to take those relationships for granted. I'm going to look at ways, you know, even in this week, what can I do to invest in those relationships to make sure that I'm servicing them, to make sure that I'm not taking them for granted. That's a, that's a big reminder because these things don't happen automatically, Ali. It's not automatic that I would fly to Melbourne to be there for you. It's not automatic that your friends would rock up at your house on the day of your mum's passing. These things are not automatic, man. These things happen because of the value that you add to these people's lives. You know, they, they, they don't just automatically have one day. If you stop being you and you stop investing in these relationships, no one will be there. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like a powerful reminder. And I love the, the first sentence as well, you know, invest in the human family. That to me means contribution. How, how can we give to the world? How can we be a, a positive force in this life? Because it's not just family, meaning the family we choose, the families we're born into. We're also a part of this thing called the human family, which I absolutely adore. Like I bolded that and make, made it the biggest font I can, is human family. You know, it's, mm. yeah, it's cool, isn't it? And I love that word human family because we're all family. Heck, the people listening to this, you're a part of my human family. There's, there's, there's the, that nice, oh, I love that word. I love that. Oh, and another quote here. Uh, I loved it because I thought it really applied to what you were saying, what you've been trying to articulate quite a few times, but death ends a life, not a relationship. Mm. How cool is that? 
It just ends a life, but it doesn't end a relationship with someone. Yeah. So your relationship with your mom is still going strong. <laughs> That's true. And my probably final one where there was a, a passage there it was make peace with living. Right. And I think just I love what you just mentioned there around the connection aspect and the relationship side. I think to give an just a sort of contrasting view as well is mm. as we're navigating through this is like really invest in finding out who you are and <laughs> how you want to live and mm. how you want to navigate life. And also when you have call it the most challenging moments in your life, how, what can you learn from them and how can you use them nearly as, you know, an, an opportunity to really practice what you believe in, in those mm. moments. And I think that's another, another big thing is get that clarity. So that you kind of are prepared to navigate the ups and downs, right? Because there's, there's multiple ways of doing that. There's one where like some people will, get everyone that they know around them, you know, and they'll lean on um, people and that's an amazing approach. Others will want to go, you know, inside themselves and maybe take time, process it, sit in silence, journal, you know, there's all these different approaches to be able to handle yeah. this. And I think ultimately that's what we're talking about too. It's like, all right, well, how do you deal with some of the toughest things that you might ever experience? But mm -hmm. then also – how do you then use those experiences to then improve the way that you live and you help others live as well? And I think a big part of that, even when you look at this book, like so much of it starts with Mitch being so focused on himself and his career and all these other bits. And then the perspective changes when Maury starts sharing some of these cool and deeper lessons in life and find out what they are for you. Mm. And if you get that, it's just another way to, Upgrade your operating system. You know, even when I was it's like, like, in a way, I'm glad that I got to experience this now at this stage in life with the people that I've got, the things that I know about the world, other challenges that I've experienced. They're all things that sort of help you with navigating it. Whereas, as I said, like the 25-year-old version of me would have been very different. The 15-year-old version would have been even more different. So also understand mm -hmm. that it's okay depending on where you are in that journey. But... Maybe there's two – like I think just two real themes that stick out from this episode is if you can optimise the people around you, it's going to help you on the ups and the downs. If you can optimise your own self and how you approach the world and how you sort of process things and accept it, work through it, it's also going to help you deal with the ups and downs. Hmm. No, dude, that's beautiful. And I – I have a, a favorite little story from the book. I, I'd love to read everyone uh, as we kind of close and round out this episode. So the story is about a little wave. So mm. there's a little wave bobbing along in the ocean, having a grand old time. He's enjoying the wind and the fresh air until he notices the other waves in front of him crashing against the shore. And he says, my God, this is terrible. And the wave says, look what's going to happen to me. Then along comes another wave and he sees the first wave looking grim and he says to him, why do you look so sad, man? 
And the wave says, you don't understand. We're all going to crash. All of the waves are going to be nothing. Isn't it terrible? And the second wave says, no, you don't understand. You're not a wave. You're a part of the ocean. Part of the ocean. I love that. Nothing is ever truly gone. Nothing is ever... Nothing turns to nothing. We just return to whatever place we came from. You know, and I know with my limited knowledge that Shami is still here and all around us. And again, her light will shine on forever, Ali, because of who you've become as a person and how you're going to live. She lives on forever. And I hope you take comfort in that. Do I do? Beautifully said. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode with us. We 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 appreciate all of you being on the ride with us. And you know, it's funny. I, I guess this was a very tough episode because you know we didn't even decide to do this live because we wanted to give ourselves time and space to to feel the things we feel and and I guess we wanted to do it because life isn't always positive it isn't always great there's going to be some ups and downs and yeah it was lovely being able to share some tough moments in our lives with all of you Um, thank you for listening hi hello it's vin thank you so much for listening to the vin and ali show we've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you it's called recalibrate it's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out.